Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Nick Scalera. He is CEO and founder at NJ Cannabis Consulting. We're going to talk to him about what's going on, particularly on the East Coast, specifically New Jersey, and where we are with kind of licensing, where the market's developing, really kind of look at the whole kind of East Coast. I think New Jersey is going to be obviously a a big add to the East Coast market. New York's coming up quickly after that, and really just kind of understand where we are, where we're going, and some of the things that cannabis folks need to be thinking about and aware of, and um, really just kind of understand where we are as a market overall. So with that, Nick, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we kind of dive into what's going on in Jersey and all the trials and tribulations, let's get a little bit of background. How did you how did you get into cannabis? What were you doing before that? And give us the story, give us the background. Uh, it's been a long and strange road for sure, and to quote a wise man. <laughs> I actually started out in the corporate world mm-hmm. many years ago, initially in IT, and then switched over to the business side. So I had um, various management positions, primarily with large companies in the uh, technology space, telecommunications, computers, software, things like that. Sure. And then uh, I happened to be with a dot-com 
that went out of business and so hung out a shingle to be a business consultant quite some time ago. And then um, Phil Murphy was running for governor a little over four years ago and was talking about legalizing adult use cannabis, expanding the medical program. And I thought, hmm, this might be an opportunity. So I did my due diligence and decided, yes, indeed, this was something uh, they wanted to pursue. So I focused all my attention specifically on cannabis. One of my sons developed a website for me, did a wonderful SEO job because the phone rings off the hook. My other son designed business cards and brochures and things for me and joined the local trade association, New Jersey Cannabis Association, started going to their networking events, put together actually a presentation about legalization in the U.S. and New Jersey specifically, and took it on the road to public libraries, chambers of commerce, and before you know it, there was a business. Yeah. Uh, however, I quickly recognized that um, I didn't have enough industry knowledge specifically about the care and feeding of the plant and all yeah. things surrounding that. So I sought out a uh, subject matter expert. So I partner typically, in this case, with Jeff Shapiro, who is um, an expert, having worked quite a bit in California on all facets of, uh, of cannabis. So that's essentially the partnership. I worry, for the most part, about the sales and marketing and the business plans based on my background and skill set. And he is, as I said, the uh, subject matter expert. Yeah. I'm curious, given that, you know, kind of the experience in corporate and getting into cannabis, what did you feel like you could transfer from that uh, professional experience into cannabis? What actually transferred? What didn't transfer so well? I'm, I'm always curious, like, what, what did you have to learn getting into cannabis? Other, other than it sounds like just understanding the plant. Sure. Itself. So essentially, we have three lines of business, which correlate to uh, exactly my, my background and skill set. The first is the um, we deal specifically with people who want to get into the business. So we help them with their application, with setting up the business, running the business, things like that, all of the management aspects, the financial aspects of it as well. We also work with ancillary companies that have a product or service to be sold to cannabis companies and sometimes need help positioning their product or service such a way as to resonate with the cannabis businesses. So we help them as well with business plans, market plans, and so forth. And the third line of business really is an extension of how I started in this. And I also have been a, an adjunct for various New Jersey colleges and universities primarily in business courses, but also technology courses as well. And that is now in the process of forming something called the Cannabis Learning Center, which will be a, um, an online course platform for people to go, a variety of different kinds of um, audiences, uh, entrepreneurs, medical professionals, medical patients, and so forth. And we're just now starting to work with instructors to develop the courses for that platform. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more, like what specifically you're trying to cover in the, in the coursework and what have you decided not to cover? Pretty much covering everything. And again, anything cannabis related obviously has to be cannabis related. So there'll be courses on the business side of it, getting a license, developing your business plan, the financials. There'll be courses on cultivation, courses on designing a greenhouse for optimal effect and yield. There'll be the medical side of it for sure for medical professionals who are, want to add cannabis to their resume. There'll be information for cannabis patients. There'll be information recipes and so forth of people who just want to enjoy the uh, the product as well. So it's a fairly broad range of, uh, of topics. Yeah. And I mean, give me a sense of your kind of take on the the development, the history of the New Jersey market. I mean, give us a little sketch on where we've been in New Jersey and kind of what's been happening over the last year or two. Just kind of give people a sense of how it compares to some of the other states. Are there any politicians listening? <laughs> I can't guarantee there are or are not. <laughs> okay. Um, 
It's been an um, interesting ride, let's put it that way. We started with a medical program more than 10 years ago that many would agree pretty much languished for lack of support until uh, Phil Murphy took office four years ago. And he fulfilled some of his promises. Others were fulfilled, certainly, but not in the same time frame. So, for example, he expanded the medical program, and we opened many more dispensaries perhaps still not enough, but many more dispensaries added some uh, additional diagnoses for patients to be able to participate in the program, including chronic pain and anxiety, which some would say now covers the entire state. And he also shepherded the, uh, the, the legalization of adult use. And it started with a little over a year ago, the population uh, supporting the notion of, uh, of legalizing it in New Jersey, followed by the legislature working on some bills that uh, the governor would finally sign, him putting into place the Cannabis Regulatory Commission in March, charged with um, setting up the program, specifying what the applications would have to be, monitoring the program, and so forth. And we've been pretty much following their calendar through the rest of last year and into this year, part of which was the first go-round was December 15th, when they started accepting applications for cultivation and manufacturing and testing. And we got uh, 500 applications in the first hour, probably 630 or so in the first day to the Cannabis Regulatory Commission, uh, which they are apparently now reviewing. As far as I know, they haven't actually issued any licenses yet, but we're looking forward to, uh, to that ha happening sometime soon. The next iteration is uh, March 15th, which is going to be for retail establishments. There are three other kinds of licenses as well. Those are a little further out in that they haven't even specified what the deadlines are, and that's going to be for wholesale and distributor and delivery. And how, uh, anything unique about how New Jersey is approaching this market relative to other states, or I guess, how has the New Jersey, uh, I guess, regulatory structure you know, learn from or reacted to previous states or other states that have done this and have a little bit of experience? I mean, what, what have we learned or what have we not learned? Sure. Now, during the process, we did learn that the uh, New Jersey legislators had traveled to other places and, and theoretically at least developed our program based on what they learned in other places. And obviously, I would hope followed the best practices. Um, but it's, it's been somewhat challenging, let's say. And yet I, I find from people who have been in this industry much longer than I have that that's not unusual, that every state starts out one way and then they learn as they go. And we see that happening other places, uh, Oklahoma, for example, and, and others as well, as they learn from uh, the implementation of the programs, what works, what doesn't, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed, and so forth. Yeah. The one thing I noticed right away was, um, and this, this hit me right in the head because uh, we had a client who was going to be opening a delivery business and as it turns out, New Jersey defines delivery differently than other places. For New Jersey, it's more of a courier service in that you don't actually take possession in terms of buying and selling cannabis and cannabis-related products. You essentially take it from the dispensary and, and bring it to consumers. Other places, it's actually also a retail function so that the person who's performing the delivery can actually sell the product Think of it as the good humor man, so to speak. And that was one, one major difference uh, that I noticed right away. And of course, there's, there's probably other differences within the state as well. Because again, it's a state-by-state state program, typically. So every state gets to uh, figure out how they want to do it, how they want to define it. Another major example is that New Jersey does not allow home grow. And as such, I think it may very well be the only state that does allow legal possession, but does not allow home grow. 
There's lots of debate. What happened there? Like, what was the background of not allowing homegrown Jersey? The official word is that uh, they, they think it would contribute to the black market, that people would be growing at home and selling and undermining the entire idea behind legalization. Any other things around New Jersey, how it's structured that's similar or different than other states? Much of it is exactly the same. Certainly, the business plans are fairly similar. There may be nuances. For example, New Jersey requires workman's compensation for full-time employees, and so we build that into the business plans, for example. I don't know that's necessarily a requirement other places. We also, by the way, instituted something called a micro-business license in New Jersey, which, again, I'm not sure that's done anywhere else for that matter. And it does impose certain limitations and restrictions on the size of the business, some of which make a lot of sense, some of which hardly make any sense at all. Um, <laughs> any examples in there? I'm yeah, certainly. What, the, there's a, there's a, a size limitation on the business of, of 2,500 square feet, which many would agree is way too small for a profitable cultivation facility and probably way in excess of what you'd ever need for a retail establishment. Manufacturing, I guess, uh, depends on on the size of the equipment and and so forth. Another restriction is 10 employees, which, again, kind of works better in certain types of cannabis businesses than it does in others. Another restriction is, I believe it's 1,000 pounds of cannabis per month as far as retail, which I'm told has never been sold by any retail establishment in the United States. So. be a new world record. Uh, one, one scratches one's head. But on the other hand, it is a, a different and new approach that I think the state took. And I think in many cases, it's, it's an effort to for, for social justice and that they want folks that maybe have suffered because of the war on drugs to be able to benefit. And so they can kind of get in with not the same kind of investment that's, that's normally required for, uh, for the cannabis, typically the, the property and, and so forth. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. What are you seeing? I mean, how, I guess, how, how much demand is there in Jersey? I mean, what are, what are you seeing in terms of the interest in licenses? Give me a sense of the market. It's enormous. Just to give you an idea, we have some statistics from uh, previous iterations of the medical program. For example, the last time that they opened the books, so to speak, for more medical licenses, they got over 200 applications for 18 licenses. And uh, this go-around on the recreational side, they haven't actually set a limit other than cultivation. And there, uh, they've limited to 37 licenses and all of the existing medical licensees will automatically get those for the most part. So that does take away some of those. But other than than that one restriction, the other four licenses entirely and the micro cultivation licenses are unlimited. So we do anticipate uh, quite a bit of demand. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we got over 600 applications for those three license types that were uh, opened up uh, December 15th. Yeah. And give me a sense of how things are playing out kind of in tandem with New York. I mean, we have this funny situation where literally like a a bridge away from two huge markets, people can go back and forth pretty quickly. What are you seeing in terms of the interplay between how New York has kind of played out and how New Jersey's played out? What are the dynamics there? Yeah, that's, again, another political wrangling situation for sure. And of course, when we were wrestling with it in the early going, people were concerned that who would be first to market. And uh, in that sense, New Jersey won. 
and New York now seems to be falling further behind. So yes, indeed, we fully anticipate that some of the uh, the gateway cities between New York and Philadelphia are going to be extremely popular. Some of the most uh, attractive sites, obviously, are on the public transportation lines. In case of the path, for example, from New York City uh, going into Jersey City, and Jersey City, again, has indicated its um, acceptance of cannabis businesses, which is, again, an, another topic that's of interest, and, and that is how the 565 municipalities in New Jersey have reacted to uh, their responsibility and authority. Essentially, the state said that we're going to control the program, but we don't want to force anything down anybody's throat, so the municipalities really have the final say on a number of fronts. A, cannabis, yes or no. Yeah. B, the kind of cannabis business. C, the number of cannabis businesses. D, the location of the cannabis businesses within their own towns. So what we advise clients to do is to go to the municipality that they're interested in. And by the way, I should have mentioned that the, uh, the micro-business license, one of the restrictions is that can only be your municipality or one that is immediately adjacent to it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Therefore, people will go to their town or an adjacent town if they're interested in the micro-business license. If they want a regular license, it, can, of course, can be any city in New Jersey, and get approval, and they have to demonstrate approval with their application. And, of course, it's got to be for their business, their type of business, in the location that they anticipate. Although there is one of the licenses in New Jersey does not require a location, so you can essentially get a license first and then try and find a suitable town and, and real estate in which to operate. Which is that? Which license is that? A provisional license. So Got some it. people prefer to go it that way. Some people prefer to find the location first and then go for the license. People have asked me, you know, what is the better thing to do? I said, it's uh, it's really a personal choice. It's almost like, what kind of investor are you? When you go to the financial planner, the first series of questions are to determine your risk aversion. And so if yeah. you if you like to uh, to take on some risk, go for the license and then figure out what to do with it. Me, uh, again, I'm risk averse. I would rather find the town, find the location, lock it up, go for the license, and I know I have a home when I get it. Yeah. what I mean, you mentioned this town-by-town town kind of choice. You know, municipalities have the ability to kind of make some of these decisions. What are you actually noticing? I mean, what do they have? They can decide whether or not gonna, they're going to allow cannabis, but then they can actually choose some parameters around the number of businesses, types of businesses. What are you seeing in terms of what municipalities are actually doing at this point? It's all over the map, as you might anticipate. Just for the heck of it, uh, I live in a very small rural town in New Jersey, uh, agricultural town called Allentown. Not Billy Joel's Allentown, as we say, the other <laughs> Allentown. And it's very rural. There are horse farms here and so forth. And one of my friends said, hey, you know, we should open a, uh, a retail outlet in, in the town. <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, sure. I said, oh, let me try. So I, sure enough, I, I contact the mayor, and um, a few days later, I get a call from somebody who's on the council who is in charge of uh, economic development in this little town. And we chat for a while. He's very interested in knowing what I was doing, and then finally said, yeah, no, we're not doing that here. So uh, it's like, go peddle your peanuts elsewhere. And, and why? Was there any explanation? Exactly. We, a neighboring town is Hamilton, New Jersey. And I thought, well, let me uh, look into that, you know, further this exploration a bit further. So uh, I did contact them and there they've said, uh, yes, we will allow cannabis businesses, uh, but in a restricted manner, only cultivation and only two and only in this particular geographic area. So it runs the gamut. There are other cities like Atlantic City. I went to a, uh, a meeting there the other day hosted by the mayor 
essentially for the residents of Atlantic City, and it was uh, underwritten by Stockton University in New Jersey, who has a cannabis program, by the way. It was primarily to educate the folks there about the program and to encourage them to apply for, for licenses. So, you know, that's one city that's uh, treating it one way. And obviously, there are cities on the other end that have said, no way, no how. Now, they can change their mind. And again, they had a deadline that if they didn't uh, provide an answer to by way of um, laws and so forth, that the default was, yes, we will allow it. So word traveled fast. Many of them, in almost, I would say, a knee-jerk reaction, felt we really didn't have enough time to evaluate this, take public comment, and so forth. So we'll say no with the provision that we may change our mind later on when we get more information, when we discuss it, when we think it over, those kinds of things. So it's a constantly changing landscape as people either opt in or opt out as the plan develops. And I'm sure that's going to change too, as the licenses are issued, as the business is opened, as people see how they're going, as they get to talk to other municipalities and get some feedback. So it's going to be, again, much more of a constantly changing landscape here. Yeah, I can imagine. And I guess, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, the types of people that are actually looking for licenses? I mean, the folks that are contacting you, any trends that you're noticing, any, you know, needs that they have, like, what are you seeing in terms of the people that are applying for licenses? Okay. As I said, my son did a really good job of SEO. So I get a lot of phone calls. Um, Unfortunately, most of the people really don't truly understand the challenges that they face. And uh, quite frankly, I burst a lot of bubbles. <laughs> but at the same so. <laughs> well, they call up and they have, you know, starry eyed. I've thought about this. I want to get in the business. And then we start to talk about what is required. A lot of what I do is education, to tell you the truth. It's almost a challenge and, and a mission we have, I should say, that the early people in the market is still relatively early in this industry to educate people and to let them know uh, what's ahead of them. It's not for the faint of heart. And so I think it's important to let people know the challenges in front of them. And, and if they're willing to accept those challenges and can meet the requirements, we're more than happy to help them. But more often than not, I discourage them, or my conversation actually discourages them from pursuing it, at least at this time. Or they may actually need to get some additional investment, get some additional team members with some more experience. I do refer them to people who are knowledgeable, trusted advisors, legal advisors, CPAs, architects, etc. We have a pretty extensive network of all of those kinds of people that we can refer people to. Yeah. And where, um, I guess, when are we going to have real kind of uh, an established retail market for cannabis in Jersey? I mean, you know, I know we've got some timeframes out there, but we've also had delays in the past. I mean, what's your guess on when people are actually going to be able to walk into dispensaries and start purchasing cannabis? Well, unfortunately, the real challenge is going to be the availability of the product. Right now, we have no one licensed other than the medical dispensaries, which uh, for the most part are vertically integrated, that, that has product to sell on, uh, for an adult use population. So yeah. and there's no one licensed. First, they have to get their license. Then they have to get their building permits. Then they have to do the construction. Then they have to plant their seeds or cuttings or whatever they're going to do. And then it has to grow for at least three months. And then it has to cure. And then they have to trim it. And then they have to package it. And then they have to sell it. So I'm thinking next year at the earliest is uh, what I'm looking at. 
everybody, I'm sure, has may very well have a different opinion. But realistically speaking, I know we did many business plans where there was no revenue coming in until next year. And in terms of um, kind of federal legalization, I mean, it, it keeps going back and forth. And I, don't, you know, I think every, it's anyone's guess on exactly what it might happen. But, you know, as you look at the New Jersey market, as you're working with folks that are getting licenses, building up businesses, what's the strategy for businesses in New Jersey if and when we get a federal market, a national market? How is this going to impact the New Jersey landscape? It's going to change everything. It really will. That fact that it's illegal at the federal level has such a trickle-down effect in so many areas. Accounting, you know, there's the 280E. That means the cannabis businesses are really taxed at a much higher effective tax rate than, than other kinds of businesses. The interstate commerce restrictions, there's clearly a boatload of cannabis out in Oregon and Washington that's uh, underpriced, that can't be transported here legally. We're very much restricted to uh, the supply that's that's available as, as grown in the state. There are banking issues, even with respect to locations. The landlord, for example, can't have an FDIC-insured loan because um, running of a, quote, illegal business on the premises means that the, uh, the mortgage is null and void immediately. So banking issues, credit card issues, it just makes it so much more challenging for everyone. Certainly will be much easier, much more profitable if and when that changes. Yeah. I mean, do you think some of these are going to pass? I mean, I, I know there's been some efforts in Congress to get 280E changed and yeah, some of the safe banking and stuff. I mean, are, do you think these things are going to I guess you hope or feel like these are going to happen sooner, and will that really help folks? We certainly would hope so. And, uh, you know, with the change in administration, at least this seemed to be a glimmer of hope, although they seem to uh, be of one mind on the topic. So I don't know. It's almost like what was going on in the state. People have all kinds of opinions, and I believe it when I see it. I don't have to act (laughs) on it until it becomes law. So I don't typically speculate on any of it. So for folks that are interested in you know, learning more about New York or rather New Jersey licensing, what do they really need to know right now? What's the, is it too late to get on in this? Is there still time? Give me a sense of if folks are interested in learning more. There's always time. Unlike some of the earlier programs on the medical side, this is kind of rolling admissions here. So although they did set a, a deadline, that's really when the applications will begin to be accepted. And I know for sure people are still submitting applications for cultivation, which uh, again, started almost now a month ago. So it's not too late. I would suggest people to start early. And quite frankly, I'm a little concerned. Maybe I'm a skeptic, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the state may make some changes to the program going forward. It worries me that they may get overwhelmed with applications and they may call a timeout. Mm -hmm. So I've been encouraging people for four years now to to start early and, and get the ball rolling. Some have heated (laughs) <laughs> Not enough. Nick, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Sure. They can contact me, nick.scalera at njcannabisconsulting.com. I also have a checklist, by the way, that I'd be glad to send to folks that kind of uh, identifies all the things you need to be thinking about. If you're considering opening a cannabis business, I do offer a free consultation. People can just call me at 609 609- Seven seven two four zero two four. All that contact information is on the website njcannabisconsulting.com, as well as a lot of good background information. Frequently asked questions. Uh, there's actually a contact form that I typically ask people to uh, fill out and submit, and then I set up a time to uh, to talk with them so that I know a little bit about what they have in mind, the cities, the kind of business, the background of their team. 
to focus the conversation a little more specifically. Awesome. I'll make sure that all that is in the show notes so people can get it. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.